Hi, this is Julia Casella, the 2015 Armed Forces Insurance National Guard Spouse of the Year, and I just wanted to give a shout-out to all the wonderful Army and Air National Guard spouses out there. Welcome to Life Giver Military Spouse Podcast, a place for honest conversation and hope that will breathe life into your military marriage and home. This is Corey Weathers, and I'm so excited to share in this journey with you. Close your eyes for a minute if you want to see the world. Hi, this is Michelle Burr from the Chris Cal Frog Foundation. You're listening to the Life Giver Podcast. We just want all of the military spouses out there to know that we value your family. We appreciate what you do. We appreciate that you serve alongside your military member, and we know there's a cost to that. We want to say thank you. We want to say that there's lots of people out there who care about your family and they're working to help support our foundation so that we can develop programming that makes things better for your family. So thank you for all that you do. Welcome to another episode of Life Giver Military Spouse Podcast. It is November, which means we are especially grateful for everything that we have in our life. And I want to say thank you to um, my family members who have been so supportive in everything that I've ever done, especially in the last year. And I want to say that I am so grateful and thankful to all of you guys who have supported this podcast and been excited about it and shared it with other people and spoken such kind words about it. If I have encouraged one person, then this hobby has been worth it. So I am very much looking forward to sharing this next interview with you. It is with a good friend of mine. Her name is Claire Wood. She's a chaplain spouse within the Army. Her husband is Ryan Wood, and she wrote the book, Mission Ready Marriage, My Life as an Active Duty Wife. If you have not read this book, I highly suggest that you go to Amazon and find this book and read it. It is an easy read, and it's a wonderful read. Claire does a great job of being vulnerable and sharing what her experiences were like in the beginning years of becoming an active duty wife. Everything from moving away from close family to navigating the new experiences as an Army wife and going through her first deployment and reintegration. And I know when I read this book, it was just like reading pages out of my own life. She is so vulnerable with the ups and downs that I think we all experience in deployment and reintegration. And more than anything, she does a great job of looking back and seeing what um, that taught her and how it made her a better person. I want to give a huge congratulations to her husband, Ryan, who just this last week was awarded the 2015 Chaplain Maurice Witherspoon Award by the National Bible Society and was personally congratulated by our own chief of chaplains in the Army, Chaplain Paul Hurley. This was a huge award given to him in D.C., And we are just so grateful for him and what he does and um, how he supports his wife, Claire. I really look forward to sharing this interview with you, and I hope that it inspires you. I hope it encourages you. And if you know of any spouses who are brand new to the Army, I encourage you to share this interview with them because it will normalize their feelings and it will make them feel like they have the strength to move forward and know what to do and who to reach out to. So let's get right into my interview with Claire Wood. Okay, so I have with me today Claire Wood, who has just authored a book. Um, Claire, I am so excited to talk with you about your book. It's called Mission Ready Marriage, Um, My Life as an Active Duty Spouse. Is that right? My Life as an Active Duty Wife, yes. 
active duty wife. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed this book. I I already knew you from Fort Gordon. We are your chaplain wife, and I'm a chaplain wife, and we got to meet each other there at Fort Gordon. And I was so excited when I had heard that you had authored a book, but even more excited once I started to read through it. I it's been a long time since I've read through a book, and I laughed and I cried and I shook my head in disbelief that it felt like somebody was reading my life and there was just so many wonderful vulnerable moments throughout the book so I thought that we would start off with maybe you just sharing a little bit about your story about how you and Ryan came into the military you're an army wife like I am and maybe just share a little bit about your story coming into this whole lifestyle as a military spouse Okay, sure. Um, Well, Ryan and I have been married for about 14 years now. And the first part of our marriage, we were both teaching school. I was teaching high school English. He was teaching high school biology. And we began to feel a ministry calling um, take shape in our hearts. And over the course of a few years, um, that entailed Ryan getting back in school to pursue a seminary degree. It entailed us um, relocating about half an hour away from where his parents lived to where my parents lived. And Ryan took a job as a full-time youth minister. Um, We were very, very content in the I'm sorry, in personal aspects of that role. We were very near family. Um, We were enjoying serving in a, a civilian church. But spiritually and professionally, we began to feel a stirring. And um, fast forward a few years even after that, and we really felt a specific calling um, from the Lord to at least pursue looking into ministry to the military. And um, kind of the doors that needed to open for that just opened uh, very quickly. And it really just gave us no um, doubt in our minds that it was the Lord calling us to that. And so back in 2011, Ryan commissioned as a chaplain, And we left uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee uh, to go to our first duty station at Fort Bliss, Texas. So we're coming up on or we've just come up on our four year Army anniversary. And uh, that's really kind of how we got started. So you're super vulnerable in your book about your experience of growing up in Chattanooga and knowing every road and street and grocery store and your neighbors and and how much of a shock to your system it was to go from a place that was so familiar to end up at Fort Bliss, where you had to kind of start completely over and how stressful that was for you. I know that for me, our first duty station was out in Colorado, and that was very far from Georgia, where we grew up, where I grew up. And so not to mention having to learn the new lifestyle of the military, how to use that ID card, how to get in the gate and navigate the commissary and and streets. It can be a, a very stressful time. So tell everybody a little bit about your experience of struggling in the beginning. Well, um, it can basically be summed up in the fact that I cried all the time. (laughs) I was I was pretty much um, fighting off anxiety, like true anxiety, Um, just from little things like what if one of my kids needed to go to the emergency room? I don't even know where the hospital is. Or um, what if there was a family emergency back home? How in the world would we make that happen quickly, Um, getting home and getting back? And so it just seemed like every detail of a very comfortable life that I had grown accustomed to was now all of a sudden a new challenge to figure out. I had to figure out where to go to the dentist, where to get a haircut. Um, And I, I often think that part of the challenge for me was the fact that 
my husband went straight to work. He went straight into his job, um, straight into relationship building with his coworkers, within uh, the chaplaincy, within his unit. And I was literally kind of home alone with our children. I had just transitioned to homeschooling them and I knew no one. And so it was a very traumatic experience for me. And um, I would even say that at the time, I didn't really have the tools to even know where to start. Like, where do you go and make friends when you first arrive at your first duty station? And so um, all those challenges really kind of took me by surprise. One of the things that I really appreciated about your book is in your vulnerability, you really do a great job of expressing honest emotion of what it's like to be a military spouse and to feel confused, to feel kind of ripped from what was familiar to you. And sometimes I'm concerned that that is going away within our our military spouse community. In fact, um, there's a huge community of cyberbullying that goes on online. And a lot of military spouses don't know about that. But what I find the cyberbullying doing is really attacking and tearing down military spouses who are being vulnerable about the difficulties of starting where they are or feeling um, that they're trying to assimilate into this new culture as if they're supposed to already know about that. And I love the fact that you take this risk to be vulnerable and share your emotion, to share your confusion, to share your doubts going into to this new lifestyle. What was it about your journey so far that made you say, I want to write this book and I really want to be raw and vulnerable with what happened in my life? Well, I have to admit that initially it was probably a selfish pursuit because um, as someone who has kind of had a lifetime of experience in writing, uh, not all of it professional, even some of it just personal writing, for me, writing this story was therapeutic. It was a way for me to um, really daily kind of track and, and, and look ahead and look and see kind of not just ahead at what was maybe coming or what I was afraid was coming, but also a real chance to look back and see okay, Lord, like through my faith, what are you teaching me in this? What are you teaching me in my desperation? What are you teaching me through my anxiety? What are you teaching me through my loneliness? And so for me, the the initial draw to write this was selfish. It was to to get my story down on paper, kind of out of my head and out of my heart and onto the page. Um, But then I really started feeling like I'm not the only military spouse that has um, felt loneliness and homesickness. And so I felt like maybe somewhere... Um, this story might resonate with another another military spouse. I know that some of the things that you talked about, I definitely relate to. Um, I remember feeling, I remember being tearful in Colorado. I remember trying to navigate my way around or not look like a fool in a store or in line to get my ID card and, and to put on this persona or this mask as if I knew what I was doing and had it together only to get in the car and be in tears because it just felt so overwhelming all at once. Um, you said in your book, and I'd like to pull it up, um, you talked about the stress of when you guys first made the decision to come into the military, and you really did a great job expressing what a lot of military families feel as this military-civilian divide of how can you struggle with wanting to come into this new lifestyle? How can you both feel called to it and at the same time have these fears and doubts and wanting to be able to express it, but not really know if, if, 
other people can really handle it. So let me pull up what you wrote here. You said, although it was never spoken out loud, the unspoken tension of, quote, if you are so upset or unsure about this undertaking, then why did you choose it? And that strain was difficult for me. I felt as if I couldn't vent, cry, or process my concerns because no one really understood why we were doing this. No one could grasp why we signed up for this life in the Army. What was that like for you to have this simultaneous fear and doubt of going in and at the same time have a calling and feel like you weren't sure if you could really express that and talk about it? Well, I think for us, um, definitely as chaplains, you know, we see this not just as a, uh, a job, but we see this as like a ministry calling for our family, um, really to minister to the military community through the ministry of presence, through um, really just coming alongside and living life with um, our military families. And so, um, you know, we have just this urge that was just so strong that we knew that this was where God had called our family. Like we just knew the need was there. We knew that um, in a lot of ways, it was almost like being a missionary to a, to a demographic of people that were very unreached. Um, but at the same time, our families really didn't have any clue what we were getting ourselves into. We didn't really have any clue, but as we were figuring things out little by little, um, our families couldn't quite understand that. And so I think it's hard when you don't, when someone you love doesn't necessarily share your calling, I think it's hard for them to fully understand um, all the nuances of it. And I think our families, especially, and I, I don't think they would mind me saying this, they were feeling very selfish at the time. They were not wanting us to leave town. They were not happy with how our leaving, uh, leaving behind our life was going to affect them. And um, thankfully, they've come full circle and they've been very uh, supportive of Ryan and I and our ministry. But it was tough because I felt like, you know what, nobody made us join. Nobody made us be a part of this, uh, this army life, but yet we've chosen it. And I almost felt guilt, I guess, that I was so upset and having such a hard time, uh, adjusting to it. You said guilt. And one of the things that comes to my mind is, you know, the difference between guilt and shame and guilt is often that we've done something wrong and that we need to apologize for it. And shame is often this kind of personal attack that we do against ourselves to say, um, I, I shouldn't be feeling this way or I should be stronger or I'm not strong enough. Um, would you say that that was something that you were putting pressure on yourself to feel a certain way that maybe wouldn't have been realistic at the time? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I have had a lifetime of experience of putting unreal expectations on myself. And so I think this major life change was no different. Um, I think I had this desire to want to put off the impression or give off the impression that we are confident in this choice. We may not know exactly what it entails, but man, we sure want everyone to think that we, <laughs> that we do know what we're getting ourselves into and that, um, that we're going to be able to do this and do it well, that we're going to be able to, um, continue to have a thriving marriage through this, that we're going to be able to continue raising wonderful, resilient children through this. And, um, I guess it was kind of one of those things where we had to fake it till we made it. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I definitely think I was putting some pressure on myself in that area. 
that's why this resonates with me is that so many military spouses feel like they can't talk about the struggle. And there's a lot of reasons for that. I think sometimes it's because they feel like it might be unpatriotic or because they might feel like they need to be strong for someone. Um, I've even had some spouses tell me that civilians, um, and I hate to call them civilians because a lot of civilians are our family members and our friends, and um, but people outside of the military um, may not understand or I've, they've even said that some people have told them, well, you made this choice, so you should be happy with this choice. And so I think a lot of spouses feel like they can't really talk about the struggle and hear you really talk about vulnerably what that struggle looks like. So let's talk for a minute about the structure behind your book, because I think it's brilliant. This is not just a chapter one, two, three kind of book. You've done a beautiful job of writing about your experience and then kind of entering into this section where you talk about looking back in hindsight, this is what I needed. And then another section of looking back, this is what my spouse needed. And then a section following that, which involves what was God trying to teach me through that process? And then a series of questions so that if anybody wanted to use this book as a small group study book or a devotional book, that there's some great reflective questions in there for someone to be able to apply the content to their lives. So tell me a little bit about how did you come up with this structure and what has it been like for you to write this book thinking back so much in hindsight? Well, I think once I got beyond the idea that I was just writing this for myself, that, you know, just was wanting to kind of get these feelings and these emotions out in the open so that I could process them, I kind of transitioned into thinking, you know, what if I were to sit down with another military spouse? Someone who's just coming in, someone who, like me a few years ago, may not have a single clue uh, what to expect, what would I want to share with them? Like strategically, what, what would be the high points or low points or kind of maybe rites of passage that a new military spouse would deal with? And so I kind of set a structure of writing out, you know, several, several major things for me. The uh, leaving home, integrating to a new culture, new duty station, um, things like pre-deployment, gearing up for the deployment, the deployment itself, reintegration. So I kind of made a little, um, I guess, roadmap of the different uh, rites of passage for a new military spouse. And then, like I mentioned earlier, I feel like the Lord uses experiences in our lives to reveal more of himself to us. And for me, that looked like taking a pause, looking at these significant events, and then really seeing, okay, if I had this to do over again, how would that be different? How would I, or what should I have done differently? Um, maybe to have been a little more successful at adapting to these uh, continual new normals. And I definitely wanted to include uh, a section on what my husband needed because this was very much a, a family affair, very much a, a marriage thing. Um, and it affected every part of my life and our marriage and in our home. It, it just, it, the effects of these highlights or lowlights of uh, military life were definitely something that affected the whole the whole family. And so I definitely felt like it was um, just a good a good viewpoint to consider what my husband needed during this time. And sadly, I, I share a lot of the ways that I failed him and a lot of ways that um, I definitely could have done it differently in order to strengthen our marriage. And so um, I think that was kind of a significant piece to this whole uh, reflection on on what it means to be a 
I hate to use the word successful military spouse, but one who is able to kind of wade through these waters. Um, and then finally, the section I include on God's use, I kind of call it God's use for the trial. Um, I really don't think that there's any experience in our lives that goes wasted. I think that the Lord uh, longs for us to reflect on his goodness and his faithfulness. And so at the end of each chapter, I kind of try to take that theme and specifically fit it to each of these uh, rites of passage. Let's talk about what, at least from my perspective, reading the book was your most challenging and most difficult time. I would say that from what I read, it was the reintegration. Would you say that was true? Yes, I would agree 100%. <laughs> you went through a first deployment with Ryan gone, and I loved, it was one of my laugh out loud moments of, of reading through um, what it was like to parent children through illness and um, having to have all of these, you know, quote, deployment curse things happen. You know, we, we think that those things aren't going to happen. And then suddenly life happens. And doing that by yourself is incredibly difficult. And you thought you had made it. And then you get to the reintegration and you think that I've crossed the finish line. This is going to be OK. We're back together again. And reintegration ends up being far more difficult than you thought. What was it about the reintegration that was difficult? Well, I think a lot of it stems from the fact that while, yes, we did have a difficult deployment, um, one piece of that was I came through that deployment with a new a newfound confidence. Um, I've always kind of been a very independent person, and I think the deployment really fed that. And to me, that's an important uh, piece to the whole reintegration, because part of my surprise was um, I just expected there to be tremendous relief that Ryan had come home. And, and there was. I was totally relieved that he was home, that he was safe. But there was a huge part of me that was utterly shocked and surprised at how much of my own independence I missed. Um, I think in Christian marriages, you know, we're taught this idea that uh, our husbands are the head of the home and we want to honor that. And in our marriage, we definitely do that. But I'll tell you, for nine months, I was mom, dad, husband, wife. I made all the decisions. <laughs> I called the shots. And there was a real sense of loss when he came home. And I had to refine my place in our marriage. I had to refine my place in the home. And um, the other piece that was so startling was just I didn't plan for that. I kind of had all these months to plan for the deployment and plan for ways to keep the schedule busy. But I did not plan for the reintegration. And I think that was one of my biggest mistakes. I'd like to rewind just a little bit and read this small portion of what you wrote about during the deployment. And I believe that this was shortly after um, everyone was sick in the home, you and the children were sick. And, and I, I laughed out loud on this part because I remember having these feelings. You wrote, it was during the midst of this plague that I remember feeling very mad at Ryan. He would FaceTime us after he'd, he'd had a refreshing two-hour workout at the gym and was eating a hot breakfast of eggs, oatmeal, juice, and coffee. He looked so chipper, well-rested, and energized on that computer screen. Deployment was agreeing with him. I resented the heck out of him not being at home with us to help take part in caring for our sick children and me. While we were lacking energy and surviving on dry toast, I may have secretly wished Ryan
mind could somehow catch our virus through the internet waves. I, I loved that part. <laughs> I remember feeling that way. I remember having the same experience of my children getting a virus and throwing up in the car, wondering how do you clean that out of a, out of a car? Um, I remember the same experience, and I think so many other military spouses can too, of having your entire home be sick with a virus and having those wonderful neighbors bring Lysol and understand that you're quarantined in your home and um, and at the same time, everybody staying far, far away from you. <laughs> so having had those experiences where you really have to tough it out and I look back on those experiences and I call those sacred spaces for me those moments where you think I'm not going to get through this or I don't know how I'm going to get through this and it takes everything that you have to get through it you don't realize how powerful and how life-changing they are how they mark your life until you get to the reintegration and your husband comes home and then you look back and, and realize what you actually got through and the fact that he wasn't there and I think sometimes that can come out as um, a lot of mixed feelings that come out all of a sudden so back to the reintegration um, you were saying that you had all these complicated feelings that came up when Ryan came home. You've struggled and you've made it. And here he comes home and you share this wonderful scene, this first moment of when he takes your water bottle for work that first day going back to work and this thing that just comes up inside of you. Yes, it was very ugly. <laughs> this thing that came up inside of me, it was very selfish and mean. But like you say, I think it... And I even mentioned in the book, it wasn't just about the water bottle. It was a lot of underlying, underlying, um, I think, repressed anger. <laughs> um, basically, what happened was he gets home and has, you know, his few days of rest before he has to kind of go report back for work. And he just totally fixes a water bottle to take with him. Well, it was my water bottle. It was my water bottle that I had been drinking out of every single day of the deployment. And he just fixes it to take to work. And uh, it just something about that just kind of struck me. And I thought, who do you think you are? <laughs> this is my water bottle. And um, like I say, I know that was just kind of a microcosm of the larger issue, which was, hey, you haven't been here. And hey, you don't really know what's been going on in the home. And um, I don't really appreciate you just taking my water bottle <laughs> and leaving with it. And um, it really brought up a lot of feelings about um what I felt like I deserved and what I felt like I was owed. And, um, yeah, it just, it brought up a lot of, a lot of ugliness, but it did give us an opportunity to, um, to really stop and say, okay, we need to pause here. Like, what is this? And <laughs> we need to, we need to kind of unpack some of this and, uh, take a look at it seriously. One of the reasons why that stood out to me is, it gave me so many words that I don't think that I had come up with on my own yet. M Matt would tell you to this day that when he came home from the deployment, he came home to an angry version of Corey. And I look back and I, I think of... I think this mask that I think I was wearing that I didn't realize how to articulate, but I don't look back and see myself as angry. I think I look back and see myself as 
holding it together pretty well, but having so many feelings about so many things, maybe I did come across angry and didn't realize it. But when you wrote about it, it really gave me those words to go, wow, honey, you need to read these two chapters of deployment and reintegration because you're right. There are so many feelings that come out, these conflicted feelings of both relief and the irritability of of how do you grieve the loss of the time with your girlfriends, the, the, the time with yourself. You don't realize that those moments of quiet reflection that you have watching a chick flick with ice cream is is over. <laughs> it's over. And and that does happen within the military spouse community. It's, it's interesting how when there's a deployment, especially on the block, if there's several that are deployed in the same neighborhood, everybody is outside and playing with kids and helping each other. And then when husbands get home, everybody goes in their homes and doesn't come out. And we're doing that to protect our families and to reintegrate and to place our priorities where they're most important. But it really can be a shock to your system. It can. And to continue the metaphor of, you know, being out on the street. I mean, there were many days that I felt like I was stuck out there and every door was locked. Like all of the, the relationships and the friendships that I had built. And um, we were a part of a unit that deployed thousands of people. So there was a very large community of military spouses that really drew strength from one another. And it was like that, that was another unexpected thing. I mean, of course, I wanted to be home with my husband and I was so thrilled to just kind of rejoin the family unit. But, you know, what, where, where are all these friends and where are all these like nights where we're all doing a potluck and hanging out? And, um, I think looking back, I know looking back that, um, if I had to do that again, I would definitely make sure that I was maybe once a week scheduling lunch with a friend or, Hey, let's go walk or jog Saturday morning. Um, just to keep that one of those doors open kind of as a lifeline, I think. When you look back now, and so much of your book is about having hindsight, what did you learn about yourself during the reintegration? Well, I learned a couple of things. Um, Without going into too much detail, there was a little bit more at play during that time um, than just kind of the marriage dynamic. There were some casualties in our unit and um, just some real heaviness and grief that kind of accompanied that that reintegration time. And quite honestly, I began to almost as if I were watching myself from outside of myself, I began to watch myself withdraw Um, those friendships I kind of already withdrawn from, but I kind of felt myself withdrawing from my family and um, really not wanting to have those difficult conversations or like feeling like I wanted to have them with Ryan, but not really having the energy, quite honestly, to have them. And um, the thing I learned about myself is that I actually needed some help during that time. Like, I really feel like I could have benefited from some outside counseling, uh, from some time with a minister. I could have benefited even just from a regular lunch date with a friend. I, I needed some help and I did not take the measures that I needed to to care for myself. And so I think, like I mentioned in the book, that I really did no planning other than just kind of the preparations for the house and getting a welcome sign. And um, the, the key component that I, I failed to plan for was physically and like mentally and logistically how our family dynamic was going to work again. And having never been through a reintegration before, um, I think part of that I couldn't have known. 
But uh, pretty much when my husband came home, you know, there were a few, few days of just, you know, total excitement and happy tears, but it didn't take long um, until kind of reality <laughs> hit for us again. And I think a lot of times um, really small little things that were happening were um we're actually kind of like cracks in, in, uh, issues that were really underlying and really big, big things that we were going to need to work through. And I didn't anticipate that. If you don't mind, I'd like to quote a part of your book because it's so perfectly written. And I think anybody who hears this or reads your book, you just, you captured feelings that are so accurate in so many ways. In fact, this was the part that for me, I really, I turned to my husband and I said, you have to read, if nothing else, this chapter. I mean, the deployment chapter is incredible, but this chapter on reintegration really described and put words to, I know how I was feeling and I'm, I'm sure a lot of people as well, but you wrote, I cannot reiterate enough just how uncomfortable, isolating, and lonely this time in my life was. If I had to choose a few words to describe it, I would use confused, doubtful, joyless, and anxious. Confused would have to top the list. It just didn't make sense to me that at a time when joy and relief should have been my primary emotions, I could not seem to find either. I wanted Ryan's help around the house, but I wanted him to do it my way. I wanted Ryan to rejoin in the parenting, but I wanted to tell him how I been doing it. I wanted Ryan to take over our finances and big decision making, but I was personally offended when he didn't handle things the way I had been handling them. I wanted Ryan to communicate with me, but I also wanted him to leave me alone. I wanted Ryan around, but I needed my space. I loved having him back in our bed, but his snoring kept me awake all hours of the night. I wanted date nights and romance, but at times I felt distant and lacked those old feelings of intimacy. I couldn't quite articulate what was going on, and I know Ryan, of all people, was equally confused. I needed God to show up and quickly. Wow, that was so, so powerful. It was such a great way to describe that time. Yeah, it really was um, all of those things. It was... um, I keep using the word confusing because I just, I could not quite make sense of why I was struggling with all this. Like it felt like, okay, he's home. Like, let's move on. Like, let's just rejoin life as it used to be. But that was the piece that I had failed to, um, the piece of information that I had failed to realize beforehand was that you don't just pick up right where you left off and life isn't just as you left it because you've changed and they've changed. And I always say that I'm so thankful that Ryan came home um, pretty much unscathed. I mean, he had a few little things to kind of readjust to, but I'm thinking all these stories I've heard, it's the soldier that comes home (laughs) with all these issues. And here I am, the spouse, I'm the one that should be normal and I'm the one that should be okay. And I didn't feel okay. I had all these conflicting emotions about literally everything in our marriage dynamic. You know, you mentioned several times that your journey in discovering within yourself whether or not your feelings were feelings that were normal or whether they were starting to kind of go out of bounds where you talked about previously being on medication to help you through some trying times and during the reintegration re-exploring that and talking with Ryan about is this normal to feel this way or is this something I really need to revisit and get some help medically for right Um, and I I mentioned this in greater detail in the book but absolutely Um, I was starting to fall apart and uh, emotionally kind of implode. Um, I, I kind of moved from some kind of, you know, general feelings of the blahs every now and then to kind of telltale signs of depression and extreme anxiety. Um, it began affecting my sleep. 
which for me is kind of like the first step in a very vicious cycle um, that then kind of made the anxiety worse. And it was kind of teetering on uh, some paranoia. We had some casualties in our unit after the after the soldiers came home. And that kind of compounded some of those feelings of worry and stress. And quite honestly, when you get in that place mentally, I start thinking, well, am I to that point? Like, am I going to do something drastic? And I think that was the time that I realized um, I'm not okay, and I do need to to maybe explore some other options for help. And kind of the tricky situation for me is that Ryan, my husband, is a chaplain, and his day-to-day work um, can be heavy for him. And so I felt like I needed to avoid telling him some of the things that were going on with me, although he could tell. (laughs) He was living in our house, so he knew kind of how bad it was getting. And there were several times that he said, you know, "I, I don't need to be your counselor but do we need to help find you a counselor? Do we need to find you some uh, pastoral help, uh, a clinical counselor? What about even possibly getting back on some medication? And for me, one of my biggest mistakes was refusing all of that help. Uh, Thankfully, over time, I did begin to feel better. But if I had to do it over again, I would have not let myself get that far. I would have uh, utilized the help of uh, a counselor and or medicine <laughs> and not had any shame about it. <laughs> I think you bring up an excellent point. And I tell a lot of people that, you know, there's, there is chemical anxiety and depression where it's just free floating in your body and it may or may not be necessarily linked to a situation or circumstance going on in your life. But there are times that we go through something extremely difficult, whether it's reintegration, deployment, the death of someone close to you, where it's a situational experience that's causing those feelings and you just feel like you're not recovering well. And you really know that you need help or a good kind of red flag that you need help is when it's starting to interfere with your daily functioning and with your relationships. So like you mentioned, when you weren't sleeping well, when your relationship, you weren't really connecting with Ryan, or there was these arguments or you're having these emotions and your feelings or these emotions in your body that are kind of keeping you from reconnecting with Ryan, that those are really some good red flags. And I appreciate you saying that you kind of had to deal with what does that say about me that I needed to get help, that you needed to be able to follow through and do what was best and right for you um, and not feel ashamed for that. Um, I mean, when I had my second child, I really struggled with postpartum after that. And it really helped me realize how difficult it is to make that decision to get on medication and that there's not anything wrong with you and that you can make this decision, whether it's a permanent issue for you, if it's a chemical issue, but even if it's just temporarily to help you get through a very difficult season, if you find that you're not functioning, getting help, whether it's just counseling or medication or both can be extremely helpful to get you through that time. And like I said, for me, I think a lot of it pointed back to the fact because I was a new military spouse and kind of the whole premise of my book is searching for kind of what it means to be a military spouse and how I I kind of walked through that journey of figuring it out. At the time, I thought military spouses weren't the ones that were supposed to deal with these issues. I thought, you know, it was the soldier that had the the trouble. And so I think that was part Mm -hmm. of it for me. I just couldn't figure out like, why am I the one feeling like this? I didn't deploy. But, um, 
There's a lot of, of, I think, emotional issues at play and even physical, because for me, I tend to be kind of a high strung person anyway. And looking back all during the deployment, I literally could feel my adrenaline going almost nonstop. And so I think for me, I was kind of having this like crash when my husband finally got home. It was all these months spent basically holding my breath, anticipating the next big thing I needed to tackle. And when he got home, I was finally able to exhale. And I really think a lot of those emotions um, and feelings, I just, I didn't know what to do with them. When you look back now, even after having written the book, what do you feel like you learned the most or what did God teach you the most about yourself? Um, I think for me, if I had to sum it up in just a, a few sentences, <clears throat> I have always had issues with control. <laughs> I like to feel like I am in control of life. I am in, at the helm of, of my life and I make the decisions and things, you know, we follow through from there. And <clears throat> one of the biggest things the army taught me is that I am not in control. And so really the theme of the book is relinquishing that control, is walking in obedience, is realizing that the grand scheme, in the grand scheme of things and the big picture really isn't even the army. But it's this calling that God has for each of our lives. And he wants to use us for his glory. And a lot of times we just have to get out of the way for him to do that. And for me, um, kind of at every every step along these initial rites of passage as a military spouse, it was a, a, a lesson in obedience and a lesson in relinquishing control and saying, Lord, not my will, but your will. Lord, not my way, but your way. And so um, that's really the greatest lesson that I have learned through all of this is that, um, yeah, I'm just going to have to take a back seat sometimes to what I want and how I want it done and realize that God is a good God who wants good things for me. And um, sometimes that comes through trials and difficulties that he never leaves our side and he's walking with us through it all. And that we're not perfect and that exactly. we haven't arrived there yet. And I think you've done an amazing job being so vulnerable to share that, that it's a journey. Um, there's, you know, there's a lot of military spouses that will listen to this and everybody has. It's one of the wonderful things that I love about our community is that every family is different and every soldier or service member right. has a different kind of job. And each of those different kinds of jobs make them unique and what that family experiences and goes through, such as a service member who works with explosive devices is going to have a different set of circumstances than somebody that, you know, works with this, the cyber issues and, and all of the co right. internet connectivity that happens um, in theater. So with your husband being a chaplain, what do you feel like was your unique experience as a chaplain wife? Largely, the chaplain uh, core and the network of chaplain spouses and chaplain families is a very supportive bunch. And so I'm thankful that um, my initiation into Army life was met with this wonderful safety net and kind of instant family of chaplains families. Um, I think, as I mentioned a little earlier, one of the things that... <clears throat> I struggled with because my husband is a chaplain and because his, you know, nine to five job, which we all know is not nine to five. Um, but the, the job he performs um, ends up being a lot of one on one counseling with soldiers and ends up being a lot of emotional support, um, a lot of religious support, a lot of family support. Um, I find that he comes home drained from that a lot of times. And as a spouse, I have felt early on that I didn't want to burden him with what was going on with me. 
And so we have had to work really hard to figure out the balance between family life, work life, um, the boundaries of, of, you know, what we kind of talk about in terms of the work day. And for us, we found what works is I really don't ask. I don't really ask Ryan what he dealt with at work because for him, he doesn't like bringing it back up. Part of it's confidentiality stuff he can't share anyway. And so for him, he kind of uses the drive home from work to kind of take off his pastoral hat, take off his chaplain hat, take off his helping everybody else hat. And he arrives home ready to be dad to our kids, um, husband to me, and kind of rejoin our family as just a regular guy. And that has helped us tremendously because then I feel like I am then able to go uh, go to him with things that I should be able to go to him with, like my own struggles and my own needs. And we can communicate that more effectively now that we've put some boundaries in place. Well, you've done an incredible job. It's been awesome to have you um talking here with me about it. The book was incredible. Um, I didn't want to get too much into kind of the end of the book because I think that that really pulls everything together, all of your experiences together um, and what you really learned and how you kind of decided to move forward. And I'm really hoping that people will reach out and pick up that book, um, whether it's through the Kindle edition, the digital edition or paperback. And um, it's really easy read. It's really wonderful. And it does a great job of putting words um, or putting feelings into words of how so many of us feel in the similar experiences that we've gone through. So is there anything that you would want to say to military spouses in general? Maybe something that's been on your heart, something you've been thinking about lately? <clears throat> that the slogan the Army wants us to know is that we are Army strong or Navy strong or Air Force strong, whatever your branch. But I would like to remind you that in God's kingdom, he sees weakness as strength. And I want to remind you that through him and in him, your weakness can be made strong. And I would encourage you to rely on God and rely on your relationship with him to help carry you through and be reminded that you don't have to do any of this life on your own and in your own strength, but that in addition to the peace and the provision that God provides for you, he's placed tangible people around you as well. So reach out to those people in your circles, whether that's neighbors, whether that's friends, unit, uh, unit friends, and help that the army provides for you through counseling and other benefits that you have. You're not meant to walk this road alone. So take advantage of those around you to help carry the load. Claire, thank you so much for joining me. It was a privilege and an honor to talk to you and listen to your heart. And I'm so excited to share this with other people. I'm so thankful to call you a friend. Would you like to send in a shout out and have it included on the Life Giver podcast? Anyone, civilian or military, can thank a military spouse who has made a difference in your life or say thank you to a service member for working hard on your marriage. Record your shout out by using your voice memo app available on your device and email it to Corey at CoreyWeathers.com or call in and leave a voicemail shout out to 706-431-7222 and we will do our best to include it in future podcasts.